my first job in college was uh, teaching swimming lessons at the YMCA down in Rochester. Most of the time I taught children. One week a co-worker of mine asked if I would fill in for a class that she was teaching. Uh, the class was adult beginners. When I said yes, I didn't know that adult beginners is a euphemism for people who are terrified of water. <laughs> but uh, I found out pretty quick as the class uh, began. Uh, I started the class like I normally did. I jumped in the water and I turned around to look at my class and they were all against the wall, <laughs> you know, and uh, I thought, well, this is uh, interesting. Now, I had seen this in kids sometimes, uh, but being a larger person, I could easily get them in the pool uh, if I wanted them in the pool, um, but I could tell we weren't going to use the same methodology this time, and so I just invited these uh, few adults who were uh, taking this class to please join me in the water. Um, they seemed reluctant to do so, <laughs> but uh, finally got in the shallow end of the pool. You know, the water's probably up to your waist, and they are still clutching the wall of, of the pool. I, I had really never encountered this kind of fear before. I had always grown up in the water, around water, had uh, been a competitive swimmer, so I had no such fear, and I found out that night that I really had no sympathy. I, I really, I had very little empathy for these poor folks who, uh, who, who just were, were scared and, and yet wanting, I think, to overcome their fear and learn how to swim. And, and I, I honestly don't remember much about how that class period went. I, I w this would be a great story if, if uh, you know, I could tell you that we made some great progress and all of those people went on to become great swimmers. What I do remember is, is uh, seeing my coworker the next time saying, don't ever ask me <laughs> to, to fill in for that class again. I, I just didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't know how to handle that kind of fear. Jesus wants to lead us into an abundant life, a life of working together with him, to bring every part of his creation back under his gracious leadership. A life that could possibly be filled with adventure and challenge, facing incredible odds and winning incredible victories with him. But Jesus says to us, I can't lead you into that kind of life if you are scared. There's just no way you can experience everything I want to lead you into if you are filled with fear. The possibility of swimming is just not available to you until you overcome your fear of water. The possibility of the abundant life that Jesus promises to us is not available to us unless we overcome our fear of following Jesus into his kind of life. 
Does Jesus strike you as a person who is filled or ruled by fear? Many of us here in this room today have said that we are Jesus followers, right? We have said that Jesus is my Savior, he's, he's rescued me from my sin, and also he is my Lord, he is my leader. I want to follow him. So does he strike you as a person who is filled with fear? I was uh, at a lecture one time with one of my favorite uh, teachers, Christian teachers, uh, who passed away recently, Dallas Willard. Um, and, and Dallas Willard asked this room full of folks that I was in, he said, think of one word to describe Jesus. And he gave us a moment to think, so I'll give you a moment. One word to describe Jesus. Love, perfect, good, yeah. Yes. So we shared many of the ideas, same ones that I'm hearing this morning. And, and finally, Dallas Willard says, I want to share a word with you um, that you may not have thought of before. He said, I think that Jesus is relaxed. Jesus is relaxed. That's an interesting word to describe Jesus, isn't it? I guess if you think of Jesus as the one who, uh, on a, a stormy night crossing the Sea of Galilee, when experienced fishermen are in the boat, uh, people who are used to being out on that body of water, and even they're scared that the boat is going down, and Jesus is where? In the back of the boat, catching a nap. <laughs> Jesus is relaxed. Jesus has within himself a peace, a way of living, a calm that is supernatural in origin. It's not a human thing. It's a God-given thing. It's a peace that the Apostle Paul says surpasses and confounds all human wisdom. When people see it, they go, that's not normal. How could he be so relaxed, so at peace in the midst of a circumstance like that? We deal with our fear in different ways. When we're scared, we often just retreat to a place of safety and security Therefore, retreating from whatever situation we find ourselves in, maybe leaving undone things that need to be done because we're scared of what needs to be done. We're scared of what we're facing, so we just pull back and say, I don't want to deal with it. Or sometimes we escape in some other way. Instead of falling back, if the fear is here, we go over here. <laughs> we say, is there another direction that I could go? I don't want to face that, so is there a way that I could avoid it? And, and sometimes this takes the form of medicating, with alcohol, with food, escaping through TV or social media or 
whatever other ways we use to just avoid the circumstance and the situation that's causing us fear. Sometimes we try to gain control of the situation and and, and make it be what we want it to be, and sometimes this is just idolatry. We pretend that we're God in the situation, or maybe we put our trust in something else that isn't God, but we hope that it will be God in that situation. So we develop ways to cope with our fear that can be harmful or debilitating, or at the very least severely limiting, and we don't become fully the people that God intends for us to be or do all that he calls us to do because we are scared. Why are we so afraid? We find ourselves, friends, living in a world that is not as God intended for it to be. Would you agree with that? When we look around at our world, we see that this is not the way God created our world to be. We see everywhere the fruit that is born out of sin. We see discord and wars and dishonesty and disease and natural disaster. None of this is the way God intends for his creation to work, but it's a result of human disobedience, and we know that the earth and its inhabitants are under a curse because of sin. And, and sin creates all kinds of scary possibilities. So we live in a world that's not working right. We ourselves are not working right. Our neighbors are not working right. And so everywhere we turn, we see dysfunction, and that dysfunction can cause us to react in fear. So uh, fear is not God's intent or his design, but it's a result of sin. We have an enemy. We have an enemy who himself, his very nature is fear and anxiety. Satan himself lives in fear and anxiety, and nervous worry. And he spreads his disease everywhere to oppose God and his coming kingdom. You know, it's interesting. You ever looked at what common fears are in our society? What it is that people are afraid of? Usually death makes the list. But another interesting thing to note is that public speaking... (laughs) is usually ahead of death on the list. So uh, that's interesting. Jerry Seinfeld jokes that that means if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy, Uh, which doesn't really make sense. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, Do you think it's a a, uh, coincidence that public speaking is one of our greatest fears. I don't think it's a coincidence. Think about it this way. God says that that people will come to know me through the proclamation of the gospel, through my people telling other people about my great love for them, my great sacrifice for them in Jesus Christ, my incredible offer of forgiveness and life 
people will come to me through the proclamation of the gospel, and Satan says, I'll make them scared to tell the good news. Friends, it's not a coincidence. Whatever God is trying to do, Satan is trying to oppose it by making us scared to do what God wants us to do. Jesus says, be holy, be different, be unique. Because you know me, you have to live a different way. Satan says, I'll make them scared of standing out and being different. And the ridicule that may come with that. Just think about it. Whatever God is calling us to do, Satan will be right there with fear. Wanting us to slink back wanting us to take a detour and do something else, want us to avoid what it is that God is calling us to do, to be scared, to live in fear. For our time in the Word today, I'm going to rely on what I think is a pretty familiar story to a lot of us. I'm not going to assume that we all know the story of David and Goliath, but I think that many of us do. It's one of my favorite Bible stories has been since I've been a kid. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to find it, it's in 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to look at some passages of Scripture in 1 Samuel 16 and 17 this morning. But let me just summarize the story for those of you who who don't know or haven't heard it in a while. The Philistine army a rival army to the people of God, the army of Israel. The Philistine army is encamped on one hill. The Israelite army is encamped on another hill. They're facing each other, making ready for battle. Out from the Philistine camp comes a man who is enormous. Eight, nine feet tall, a giant, a huge human being. (laughs) And he... Uh, stares at the Israelite camp and their army and says, we're about to fight each other. Instead of our whole armies coming down into the scrum, why don't you send out someone to face me in single combat? Mano imano. I'll take on whoever you want to send out. And the loser will become subject to the winner's people. So whoever loses will become enslaved to the winner's army and people. And in 1 Samuel 17, it says that the entire army, along with King Saul, are terrified. They're scared stiff by this Philistine. Nobody wants to go out and accept the challenge and face it. Would you be scared? I would be. (laughs) I think I'd be scared. I think it's a pretty rational decision to look at this situation and go, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm not volunteering for that. Along comes David, too young to be there fighting the war, sent by his father, He has brothers who are there in the camp fighting against the Philistines. His dad says, here, take some provisions to your brothers. Find out how the war against the Philistines is going and report back to me. So David shows up in the camp. 
And as he's in camp that morning, here comes Goliath, issuing his challenge, and David hears the challenge. And he sees that everyone is afraid and that no one is taking up the challenge. And so he starts asking around, hey, what's, what's going on here? Um, is there some kind of a reward for the guy who goes out and fights Goliath? I mean, what, what does he get? And the soldiers tell him, yeah, the, the king has said, whoever goes out to fight Goliath will get to marry the princess, his own daughter. Uh, the king has promised riches and wealth to that person. The king basically said, whoever goes out and fights this guy gets a free ride. And, uh, and, and word gets back to Saul that here's this little kid David in camp asking around about what's going on. And so Saul summons him and says, what's your interest in this kid? And David says, Master, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go fight this Philistine. Really? You, David, not even old enough to come and be in the camp and be a part of the war. You're going to go out and fight him. So my question, friends, is why is David confident when everyone else is afraid? How is David filled with faith when everyone else is filled with fear? How can we join David as people who are confident and faith-filled in the face of scary situations? Would you be interested in sharing in David's confidence in a situation like that? I would. I would like to stare down situations like that and say, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. We don't need to panic. We don't need to freak out. Everything is going to work out fine. So how do we do this? How do we become people who, like David, like Jesus, are relaxed, have peace, face any circumstance, not panicking, not in fear, but in faith? I'd like to suggest three things that we find in the story of David that I think give him confidence. If we look back a little ways in just the chapter before, something has happened in David's life that I think enables him to have confidence. Now the Lord said to Samuel, fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. God had rejected King Saul because of his disobedience and was now installing, putting in motion the plan for the next king. So he sends his prophet Samuel to put this plan in motion. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, one of Jesse's sons, the oldest, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. All seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. So Jesse sent for him. 
He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. So David has already been anointed the king of Israel. Before he goes out and faces Goliath, he has been anointed by Samuel as the next king of Israel. You can imagine how powerful this would be. The young man David with the great prophet Samuel standing in front of him, pouring oil, anointing him, a a sign of God's favor, of God's choice of David. And and as the oil comes down his head and, and his face, Samuel looking at him saying, You, David, you have been chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. What a powerful experience that would be. Do you think that that would give David confidence as he goes out to face Goliath? That that he, he knows something special about himself because the very word of God had been proclaimed over him. David, you are my chosen. You are going to become the next king of Israel. So he has a proclamation from God about his identity and a promise from God about his future. And I think that these two things powerfully affect David and give him confidence about his situation and any circumstance he finds himself in and helps him to rely on the Lord. So an action step for us. Instead of worrying about your circumstances, Meditate on God's word, which is filled with proclamations about your identity in Christ and promises about your present and future. Uh, None of us has ever had the the joy, I don't think, of of, uh, someone looking us in the face and anointing us with oil and and telling us that we're chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. But, But what we do have are the precious proclamations and promises of God in Scripture which function the very same way for us. And friends, we need to go to Scripture and allow the Word of God to powerfully wash over us like that anointing oil and to hear what it is in the New Testament that God is saying is true about us because we are now in Christ. The New Testament has a lot to say about who we are because of our union with Christ and the promises that God is making to us about our present and future because of our connection with Him. And we need to meditate on those things. I I think I've told you before that, you know, you might be a little concerned about meditation. What's that about? Isn't that like Eastern mystic weirdness? Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. The the goal in Christian scriptural meditation isn't to empty your mind and to, you know, think about nothingness. The goal is to fill your mind and your heart and your life with the very truth of the Word of God. Amen? And if you're worrying about something, you're already meditating. You're already doing it. You're just meditating on the wrong stuff. 
you're thinking about all the possibilities and all the things that could go wrong and oh my goodness, this is too big for me and how is this ever going to turn out right and uh, this problem is so big and I'm so small. Replace that content with the truth of the Word of God and meditate instead on what God says is true and real. This is a discipline, friends, that we need to do. David had the prophet Samuel speak a powerful word over him. Scripture speaks a powerful word over us. And, uh, man, were you guys blessed by the songs we were singing this morning? What, what an amazing, even the, the, in worship we get that truth pouring over us. If you paid attention to the words, and I had an advantage because I knew what the sermon was about, but, but it, all of those songs were reinforcing what we're talking about this morning, that God is mighty to save. He's bigger than any circumstance we're going to face. We don't have to fear. We can put our trust in him. So friends, let's turn to the truth of the Word of God and find out that God has a lot of faith in us. God is trusting in us as we work with Him because of who He's making us to be in Christ. Second thing David had. Same passage of Scripture. I just left out the little end bit, which is coming right now. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought anointed uh, and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. You know, in the Old Testament, not very many people got to experience the presence of the Spirit of God. Prophets, sometimes judges, priests, kings. Very few people. David was one of them. The very presence of God coming to him powerfully and abiding with him in God's spirit. Christians, have we been given the same spirit of God? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. We can live with the assurance of God's presence with us in the face of any circumstance. I think what this does is it gives David a sense that, that he's always aware of God's presence. So when he sees Goliath coming out against the army, he doesn't see it's him against me. It's great big guy against little guy. All of a sudden, God is a part of David's reality. God's very presence with him in that circumstance has become part of his reality. And now David says, it's him against me and you. Does that change things? Does that change <laughs> the potential outcome? I think so. I think so. Because God's Spirit indwells us, we are mistaken, my friends, if we look at any circumstance and say, it's me against that circumstance. We are forgetting the presence of God. Is it possible that, that God's people could forget his presence and act as though God is not in the situation? Have you ever done it? I have. The Old Testament is a, a sad uh, report of God's people forgetting about him on 
occasion after occasion after occasion. So we do forget that God is with us in the circumstance. So what do we need to do? The discipline here is to practice the presence of God. What do I mean by that? Before anything can become second nature and become a habit to us, we have to consciously do it first over and over and over. We have to choose it over and over and over again so that it just becomes natural and normal in the way we live. Now, we know that God is with us. We know that truth. But do we practice that? Do we live as though that's the case? So what can we do to make God's presence more of a reality? Well, we have to remind ourselves God is with me. God is here. God is right here with me in this circumstance. Because if God is far off in some distant place in the universe and I'm here facing this circumstance, that just isn't, it's not true, and it really changes my outlook on the circumstance. And it, it invites fear into the situation. But if I can remind myself that God is here. So do whatever you need to do. Light a candle <laughs> when you're in a room. God is with me. Wear, wear a ring or carry something in your pocket so you can... Well, God is, you know, a, a reminder. Friends, it has to be a discipline before it becomes a habit and second nature. So we need to practice reminding ourselves, God is with me. God is with me. Because if we don't do that, we forget. And when we forget, we become afraid. Finally, back to uh, the story of David and Goliath. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told, told Saul. I'll go fight him. The king replies, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can go fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're just a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this with both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. What is David doing? He's remembering a time in the past when God was faithful to him, when God showed up big time and allowed him to have a victory in a scary situation. So Saul consented, all right, go ahead, he said, and, and may the Lord be with you. So David has experienced God's powerful help against adversaries in the past, and he's calling those experiences to mind. So it's important that we draw on experience. Now, some of us have our own experiences that we can call on. We can say, remember when I was in this sticky situation and I was scared, but I called out to God and God really showed up for me? And we made it through. Some of us have stories like that. Some of us don't have stories like that. We have to rely on other people's stories. And scripture is full of stories like that that we can rely on. But Andover Christian Church, is this congregation filled with stories? Do you have stories about the faithfulness of God? You need to share your stories with each other. I want to be part of a congregation 
that, that's filled with champions that, that testify to God's grace and power so that when I'm in a moment of fear and weakness and I don't have anything to draw from in my own life, I, I know somebody faced just this circumstance and I want to hear from them how they made it through. So sharing our testimony, sharing our stories, being together, living together, sharing life on life. This is a powerful resource that God's people can draw from. So the final action step is to remember God's faithfulness in the pages of Scripture and in our own lives and also to be willing to share your stories of victory because they can be an encouragement to your brother's and sisters, even friends, if, if, if you think your story is, yeah, it's, uh, it's not that great. I mean, I survived. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I rocked it, you know, but uh, we made it through. Well, that might be a word of encouragement, right? Maybe that's what's needed. Can I make it through this? I can tell you that with God's help, you can make it through. David does go out to meet Goliath, grabbing some stones from a nearby stream. He goes out. Goliath is upset that the Israelites would send a little, a little puppy, <laughs> he says. Little puppy, is that what you're sending out to meet me? David takes his sling sets a stone right in Goliath's forehead and overcomes the giant. Friends, we can be victorious. We can face situations that cause us fear and with God's help and with his resources, we can face our fear and make it through with him. It is not God's desire for you to shy away from the things that he wants you to do because you're scared of them. It's his desire for you that even though you're scared that you will put your faith in him and say, God, together we can do this. Not because I'm strong, but because you're strong. Faith overcomes fear. Let's pray together. God, we are so aware of our own weaknesses and our own fears. There's so many things that seem bigger than us and, and we seem powerless to affect change or, or do good. And yet we know that there's so much good that you're calling us to do with you, to partner with you. Forgive us when we have shied away from those things because we've been scared. Instead, fill us with trust and faith in you, the great and powerful and living and present God, who through us can do incredible things. Because we want you to receive glory, we want more and more people to know about the salvation that's available through you. Help us not to be afraid, but instead filled with faith in you, in Jesus' name.